Hey, hey, dude. What? <clears throat> um, have you ever heard of uh, Hiro Onoda? What? <laughs> what? No. Oh, what about, have you ever heard of uh, Norio Suzuki? I swear, if you're getting ready to tell me about Yu-Gi-Oh! right now. No, I'm not. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I promise I'm not. <laughs> Tim's, get try- Tim's been trying to get me to play Yu-Gi-Oh! on our phones and all it's week. Coming back. <laughs> it's coming back. It's not coming back. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Go, right? I don't know. No, dude, it's really fun. They got this app. You can get a deck, and you can play like play real players. You can play your friends. I was playing a kid in Germany the other day. Stomped him. Yeah, when you say friends, um... (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. They have a legitimate kangaroo cook the food in front of you. I mean, I remember I cried when I found out my mom's name wasn't mom's mom. Yeah, you you got a bunch of flicker hanging out. They're going to tell us that we lost this war, but I'm telling you, we've not lost the war. All right. I'm six years old, and I'm I'm having an identity crisis. Crisis. Things I learned last night. Tilling it, tilling it. Anyways, hey, uh, have you ever heard of uh, Shiochi Yokoi? I don't think you know how to. I think these are made up words. <laughs> I think Wrong. you're just making stuff up. What about Taro Nakamura? Oh my gosh. <laughs> is there heard? a whole list? How long is this list? That was the last one okay. I was going to ask you. Have you heard about any of those? No. Oh. Are heard... they people or are they? Well, let me ask you this: oh, Have you ever gosh. heard of Japan? <laughs> are you about to do the history of Japan to me right now? No, oh. not at all. I was just asking yeah. if you've heard of it. Okay. Have you ever heard of Japanese holdouts? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, interesting. Uh, I was wondering if I was ever going to come up with something that you had never heard of. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Japanese holdouts. Japanese holdouts. I'm excited about this one. There's a lot of... Well, we know for sure that your dang friend is listening to this already. Uh, Chad? Mm-hmm. Is that uh, his name? Yeah, yeah. Chad's a cool guy. He lives in Denver. He has he has a YouTube channel that talks all about uh, Japanese Don't plug things. him. I'm going to cut this out. We're not okay. going to make personal <laughs> reference to Chad. <laughs> He's a cool guy. Um I'm probably so, gonna have to come to him and be like, "Hey, did I pronounce all that right?" You, well, he's gonna be like, "No." <laughs> he's like, "No, you were Maybe we should call him real quick and double check. And we're like, "All right, buddy, we're flying you from L.A." <laughs> um, Japanese. Yeah, what do you think a Japanese holdout is? Oh, gosh, I don't. I hate when you do this to me. Because <laughs> to me, it sounds like a a different version of Texas Hold'em. <laughs> <laughs> if if it were. Uh, if There's I just to more have to Hyundai guess, cars involved. And, Hyundai uh, cars. Wow, that's rough that you think that. <laughs> it's rough that you think it's Hyundai, but okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that's so annoying. I got my oil changed today in my Hyundai. Mm, that must be rough. Did you have to drive all the way to Japan for them to do that? Because <laughs> they service Hyundais here in the, in the United States. <laughs> No, I didn't. I I drove to my local Midas. <laughs> Literally like four minutes from my house. You mean... <laughs> I, can't even do I it. already I can't said even it, do it with the I pronounced I this the right way. So now what are you, you going to say? My dies? Uh, no, I was going to say my ass. <laughs> do you mean my ass? That's not... It's not even equivalent. My ass, yeah. That's 
I was just going to pronounce words <laughs> wrong the whole time. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Whatever. <laughs> okay, you're if, right. If I had to guess, here's here's what I was going to say. If I if you if the rules were reversed right now and you asked me what a Japanese This isn't even was, fair cuz you know what a Japanese Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, but if, if I had to guess, I would say it's <laughs> If I had to guess, it's no. everything I've researched this week. <laughs> if I didn't already know what a Japanese holdout was. Okay. And you asked me, "Hey, what's a Japanese holdout?" and I would say, "Well, I don't know, but let me take a stab at it." Um, it sounds like it sounds like a shootout to me. Uh, maybe. Like a probably like just because the word "outs" in it. It sounds like a Japanese outhouse to me. <laughs> holdout. It sounds like a Japanese dugout. It sounds <laughs> like a Japanese <laughs> outback steakhouse. <laughs> Do you got you got another one? I don't know. The look, in, the look in your eye makes me feel like you might. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, no, go ahead. Oh well, if I had to guess, I would. It's think a Japanese hold space station because it's out of this world. All right. Anyway, that's all I needed to say. <laughs> so that's, that's my best guess. Oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, no, if I had to guess, I would probably say a Japanese holdout is like when you would go to a Japanese steakhouse. <laughs> and you needed um you called ahead to put a hold on something stop but is, you had to like japanese car- layaway at a steakhouse <laughs> but but it was carry out it was yeah yeah layaway carry out at a steakhouse japanese hold out that's what i would think well you I hope you're wrong. I hope that's not what it is. That's just what I it hope is. That's We're gonna learn all about Japanese steakhouse carryout methods. <laughs> <laughs> it's really vibrant. <laughs> okay, but for real though, this business idea, Japanese outback steakhouse. Okay, listen. Yeah. It's Australian food with the Japanese steakhouse feel where they cook in front of you. Ooh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, and they're like flipping the shrimp around, and they're like, "Ooh, kangaroo kartar," you know, or whatever. Oh, even better, kangaroo kartar. <laughs> even better, they have a legitimate kangaroo cook the food in front of them. Oh yes, 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 yes. And like he like throws the bottle up, and then like kicks it, and the yeah. sauce just shoots directly. Oh my your gosh! Plate. And you walk in, and all the TVs in the place are playing Kangaroo Jack. It's like a sports bar with <laughs> Kangaroo Jack. Trademark. <laughs> Like we have to. Yeah, this is our idea. Don't take it. We're this is patent pending. Patent we're, pending. Is we're, what say. we're putting that in right now. I'm I'm on I'm online. I'm, I'm on, on copyright.gov. Uh, I'm on needalawyer.com. <laughs> <laughs> the only option on here is bail bonds. I don't know what to do. Hey, did I tell you about the bail bonds guy I saw? Did you see my tweet the other day? No, dude. I was at at the gas station. I don't follow you on Twitter. Oh, good. <laughs> I was at the gas station and this guy walked in. Wearing this really cool like windbreaker um, that just yeah yeah you did text me about that you said that it says bail bonds and you were like now I need some bail bonds merch yeah dude it was really cool it said like it was like whoever like I don't know Johnson's bail bonds and they had like their phone number and logo on it and it was really dope and I was like I want that 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 windbreaker bail so I bonds. tweeted about it I was like I want some bail bonds merch and get this um, you know Chip. My old youth pastor, mm-hmm. his wife commented on the tweet and was like, "Hey, Chip's, uh, Chip, Chip, Chip's dad, I think. Chip, Chip, Cheerio. Chip, Chip, Cheerio. I can't remember what she said. I think she said Chip dad. I, whoever, somebody Chip knows, does bail bonds. And she's like, can you hook TJ up? So I'm hoping when I get out to Denver next week, ooh, I love that he's you just gonna slipped have... in TJ into this podcast. As oh if, God, yeah, 
Oh, no. Because that weirded me out when I went home to your parents the first time with everyone. Like, I knew that's you my was name. Tim, but everyone back, everyone back home just calls you TJ. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is whenever I tell stories about people who call me TJ, I'll call myself TJ. And it, it won't be weird to me. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, it wasn't weird to me either. It just, I heard it and I was like, people in this podcast mm-hmm. are like, who the heck is TJ? Yeah, that's me. They're like, ugh. Here's Tim, a, here's, Tim, Tim oh, goes gosh. by TJ? No. Here's here's the thing. Should be TB. Oh my gosh, my my life has been a constant name crisis. Um, <laughs> you gotta tell your TJ story. <laughs> at the age of six, I had a midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> midlife crisis. <laughs> Here's what happened. My dad, my dad's name is also Tim. Um, he wanted, he growing up really wanted to be called TJ, but nobody would, and so he named me Tim John. So that way I could be called TJ. He was Tim James. Um, and so he, I'm born, him and my mom, they call me TJ. They introduced me to everyone as TJ before I was old enough to introduce myself. And so then everybody just starts referring to me as TJ. I go through preschool. My name is TJ. I introduce myself as TJ. Kindergarten, same thing. First grade, same thing. Until a first grade teacher. You know those things where you go and – it's teaching you how to write and they have the like the big the two big lines and then the dotted line in between it yeah um it said write your name and so i wrote tj and my teacher came over and she's like you have to write your name there and i was like i did (laughs) (laughs) and she's like no Uh, are you dumb i wrote it (laughs) i was like there it is tj (laughs) and then she's like no you have to write your name there and then so she proceeds next to tj to write timothy and she's like now write your name and i was like that's not my name (laughs) My name looks nothing like that. And I'll, I'll be honest, at the time, all I knew was the fact that that was a lot more letters than TJ. <laughs> she <really laughs> at least of, not. And she's like, your name is Timothy. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, it's not. My name is TJ. Uh, and I will never forget this moment. I got home from school. My dad picked me up and drove me home. My mom was sitting at the dining room table, and they they like, they're like, TJ, we need to talk. And they so were like was, waiting for you. Yeah. So I sat down at the table. My parents were across from me at the table. I'm six years old. And I'm, I'm having an identity crisis. And my 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 parents are like, TJ, your name's not TJ. <laughs> and I was like, what? I'm like, your name is Timothy. And I bet your parents were that serious about it, too. Like, your mom is like, TJ. <laughs> you're, 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 um, Tim, Tim, you tell him. <laughs> TJ! <laughs> Why is that the voice you always give my dad? Because like that's the one that angry we use. I know. It's like, grab the pillow pads. <laughs> Listen, we got to tell you something. My dad your barely dad ever yelled. Nothing like that. Your, I know your dad sounds nothing like that, but in my head, I love that. That, like, TJ! Your dad would be, like, more like. Um, that's like. That's your that the impression you're doing right now is your Alex Jones impression. No, my Alex Jones impression is spot on. You ready for it? Here we go. Did you see the video I sent you last night? This yeah, is this is yeah. it. Alexa. <laughs> do you work for the CIA? That's not even on point. Let me try it again. Okay. I was sick, so it's a little hard. You're you're six? Yeah. Well, listen, I had my midlife crisis yesterday. <laughs> Alexa, do you work for the CIA? Alexa, you are lying to me. 
These are scripted responses. These are scripted responses that Amazon told you to say because they're covering up their connection. Listen, folks, if you want to get protection from Alexa in your household, you can download our uh, our security systems on the website uh, at infowars.net.com.gov because we snuck in and we got it. You can download that there or a water filtration system to keep uh, keep the chemicals out of your tap water. <laughs> That's Alex Jones, everybody. If you want uh, to purchase his goods, go to tillin.com slash Alex Jones. Uh, he had a short, short appearance on the podcast today. We're, we're glad he's here. Thanks for coming in, Alex. Shut up! <laughs> oh, God. You liberal hippies. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, golly. Oh, golly. Oh, dear. <laughs> But anyway, so my parents. How did we get here? My, pa- All right. <laughs> my parents told me, um, uh, uh, they're, they're like, "Hey, your your name is not TJ. It's Tim. We call you, you TJ for sure." I bawled my eyes out. <laughs> all of a sudden, Poor every all, all of a sudden, everything I ever knew was a lie. Like, imagine that you're six years old. Your identity is very much intertwined with just what people call you. You don't have much of an sure. identity yet. I mean, like, I remember I cried when I found out my mom's name wasn't mom. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it was something that really changed me. But there, I mean, there's still a lot of people in my life who call me TJ. My family, my whole family. Yeah, everyone in everyone in Colorado. No, inaccurate. Everybody, every single person. Everybody in who either knew me before I was six or is closely connected to somebody who knew me before I was six. So it was my whole family and like my extended family. Everybody, anybody from my church because my church I went to since I was like two so anybody from my church always called me TJ right anybody who met me through church called me TJ so at youth camp and stuff like that I was TJ but my professional life so at school or anything else I was Tim because my my first grade teacher wanted to make up my TJ and then it was too easy to write (laughs) she's like you gotta work for it (laughs) like I'm sorry that Amanda's parents hate her and gave her that many letters my parents (laughs) loved me and gave me two and that here's the thing. Here's here's the and, embarrassing side of the story. Yeah. I have seriously contemplated going back to TJ at every major milestone in my life. When I moved to college, I was like, "Am I going to introduce myself as TJ? Should I do it?" But I've never been able to commit. And I did it when I came here to Kansas City. Yeah, I was like, I was like, "Am I going to change? Should I change my name did back really? to TJ?" I really thought about it. Well, you and when did I came it up here, I didn't. You, your business, my is business TJ is TJ Stone Creative. Creative. It's yeah. one step at a time. One step at a time. Do you want us to call you TJ? I've asked you that several times, and you keep telling me no. I'm on the fence about it, man. I like TJ. I think it sounds cool. It's got a cool ring to it. But at the same time, I haven't gone by TJ. Like, TJ, for me, is, I don't know, for lack of a better term, almost intimate. Because, <laughs> like, I haven't gone by it since I was six. And sure. so the only uh, only people who call me that are really my family and then a few other people. So uh, what you're telling me is that we're not close enough <laughs> for me to call you TJ. Because that's what I heard. And that's what I felt. I, mean, I just want to communicate. Like that kind of hurts, you know. No. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. That's what I meant. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, it's fine. I mean, we're like eight episodes into a podcast that we're building together, and I mean, I thought you moved to Kansas City for me, and, and I guess it's just for this job and for some girl, and it's like, okay, well, I'm sorry. Timothy, I'll call you 
I'll call you an appropriate name that's not intimate at all. <laughs> anyways. Anyways. Sorry, Timothy. God dang it. <laughs> um. So, yeah, remember that guy, Hiro Onoda, that we were talking about earlier? Refreshed. <laughs> we walked into the studio today. We have a, fr- a mini fridge in here. It's a shared space. We've, we've mentioned this before. But for some reason, the mini fridge has been turned up to extreme coolness. Yeah. And so all the water it are just ice bricks. Yeah. And it's sad because I work up a thirst during this podcast. Do you? I do. <laughs> it's a thirsty thing. What we do here. Yeah. I mean, like, while we were setting up, I just had these bottles of water in my armpits trying to warm them up. So you're drinking pit water right now. <laughs> it's the best kind. It's pit moisture. Just collected. Moisture. Moisture. Hey, boy, you got some good moisture. <laughs> Tell me what your moisture smells like. What? <laughs> Sit up, boy. Your moisture's not good. <laughs> Listen, if you're here and you have moisture and you would, <laughs> you'd like to get rid of your moisture, you can get uh, our moisture ointment at Infowars.com forward slash moisture. Uh, because <laughs> uh, uh, uh. uh, I think the moisture is how the government's trying to hold us down. <laughs> The more poised you are. Can we do a whole podcast where you're interviewing Alex Jones? Yeah, that'd be a really good like side episode. <laughs> I would love that. What questions would you ask? Oh man, I'd have to. I'd have to sit down. The first thing would probably be like how to get his voice to be like that. Well, it's uh, it's a long technique that is uh, uh, real. It's really because I spent a lot of time in the mountains with the monks, and they taught me everything about I know, and they taught me all the secrets of the U.S. government, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but ever since then, uh, I've, I really feel like this voice, this voice to me is like Tim, and my old voice is like TJ, <laughs> you know, and and people, <laughs> people who are close to me can hear hear my old voice as TJ, you know. But this voice, this voice is the voice of truth and voice for America, and this is this is my voice now for the people who are ready, who are tired of fighting this system. But my old voice, my vo- my other voice is very tender and very kind. And that's the voice uh, that my first three wives have heard. <laughs> but anyway, so what do you think a Japanese holdout is? Oh, my gosh. I don't even know, dude. Uh, I don't even know. I have no idea. Japanese holdouts are these group of dudes who were Japanese soldiers in World War II who either didn't know the war ended or oh. didn't believe the war ended. Yeah, so they just stayed. Or refused to, like they knew it ended, but they refused the... to accept it, and they were like, "I'm not going to surrender. I'm not because that's dishonorable." And so they're like, "We're going to keep fighting this war until I die." And so those are the Japanese holdouts. Okay. There's a handful of those men who were stationed in different areas during World War II, um, and so I picked out a handful of my favorite Japanese holdouts. Um, Please tell actually... me that one's still alive and he's still fighting. No, no, Dang. that's not true. The last one died in 2014. But he um, fought until 2014. No. <laughs> 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 he, 
these guys these guys held out. Um, the three I picked out were the longest running holdouts. Oh, good, um, great. So, so the names that you said are not people; they are they're the they're they're people. The names I said are oh, their okay. names. They're okay, the okay, holdouts. Okay, okay. Um, and the three that I picked out, the top two had held out for twenty nine years after World what? War II. Yeah, and they're like, we're what? gonna just keep doing this. And so, uh, yeah. what? Yep. For twenty nine years, what are you gonna go through? Like how? Like what resources they had? What? Uh... Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. Um, so let's first look at Hiro Onoda. Uh, he's one of the, he's probably the most famous uh, Japanese holdout. Um, okay. He he wrote a twenty nine years. Hold on, I'm trying to figure. Twenty nine years after forty five would be. Um, yeah, it was like seventy. Seventy nine. Something like that. Yeah, let me double no, check. No, it would be seventy uh, uh, four. Yep. Because 79 would be 30 years. Mm-hmm. 74. And so, uh, yeah, that was probably a culture shock. Because most of them were stuck in the hills in different countries where they were stationed. Wait, he didn't come back to any kind of culture until? No, yeah, he stayed where – these guys stayed where they were stationed, whether it was a jungle somewhere or the hills in some nation, and camped out there. And we're like, we're still fighting this war. Either because – like I said, they they didn't believe it was over. They, the word didn't get to them that it was over, or they refused to be. Discovered. I think these guys are crazy. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That's accurate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Continue. So Hiro Onoda, he's the most noteworthy one. Um, he was an intelligence officer. He fought in World War II, um, and in 1945, uh, the Japanese army surrendered. surrendered. He yep. was stationed in the Philippines, um, and he did not surrender with the rest of them. Um, because he believed he and a group uh, like a cell of his soldiers believed that the orders to surrender were allied propaganda and so he's like they're trying to trick us to make us surrender so that way they capture us easily and they're like we will not give in and so they kept fighting the war um (laughs) and so uh allied propaganda yeah they're like this isn't real we're gonna continue doing this and so they uh, lived in these mountains in the Philippines. The war ended. Everybody pulled out, but they camped out and they held on to their arms, and they got in a number of skirmishes throughout the years with like so. It was just guerrilla warfare at that point. Like yeah. just kind of like just going off and doing yep. their thing. Yep. Yeah. And so there's there was seven or eight of them that lived together in these mountains, and they lived off the land, and they had their weapons from World War II, and the course of those twenty nine years. There's a handful of situations where they got in gunfights with the police or locals, and they thought that the people that they were fighting were soldiers, oh and so they gosh. kept fighting them, um, and and they lived off the land for a long period of time. Yeah. Um. So. What do they eat up there? Like just they just they killed would, animals. Yeah, and- they hunted. They hunted and they lived off of the land, like old time. Are you gonna tell me how long this one was? Are you getting to that? How this one was, was 29 it? years. This one was a 29-year one. They're in the mountains for 29 20, years. In the mountains in the Philippines for 29 years. Um, was it just that guy, or was it all seven of them? There were seven of them, but they didn't all last 29 years. And I'll get to that in a second. Okay, okay. But okay, before okay. we get to that, I want to talk a little bit have so many de- so many about, um, uh, about Hiro Onoda. Um, he's an interesting guy. He was born on March 19th, 1922, um, to a family that is like an ancient samurai warrior class. So he was born into, like, the samurai, like, class. And so he's very, like, his family line is, like, honor. Yeah. Like, you honorable. 
Um, his father was a sergeant in the Fourth Cavalry Brigade, and he was killed in 1943 in combat. Um, and so, uh, so his father died in this war. <clears throat> his father died in the war, and then he enlisted, um, mm. and started fighting in that war. And it, so, I think part of what made him so passionate about it was right that culture he was brought up in, being an ancient samurai class, and then his father dying, and it was like avenging his father. Yep. Um. And so he was an intelligent officer um, in what is called the Futamata, which is the commando class, um, which sounds very <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the... <gasps> <laughs> sounds very <gasps> hardcore. <laughs> hardcore. Um <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah. And he was set to Lubang Island in the Philippines, which, um, I'm going to show you some pictures of Lubang Island. I kind of believe that he knew it was over and he's just like, I'm going to stay here because <laughs> it's like a resort. It's like resort land oh, Philippines. Yeah. And so it's, 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 he's like, wait, if, if the war's over, I gotta go home. And they were like, yeah, he's like, no, the war's not over. He's like, war's not over. <laughs> and so he told the soldiers, he's like, this is allied propaganda. <laughs> Go get me some meat. <laughs> he probably said it in a different tone. He's probably more like, <laughs> "Never mind, I'm not going to wear it out. I'm not going to wear it out." <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Um, What's his name? Hiro Onada. This is Hiro Onada. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna tell us that we lost this war, but I'm telling you, we've not lost the war. All right, <laughs> this is Allied propaganda. Alexa. That fits so well. Alexa. <laughs> are you working for the Allied forces? <laughs> this is this is Allied propaganda. They try to lie to us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so while he was stationed at the island, he had been promoted numerous times up to lieutenant. Um so he was like one of the guys in charge um in that station. And word got to them that the war was over. Most people were like, oh, cool. And they left. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Sweet. War's over. Bye. But him and that handful of seven or eight people were like, no, it's not. And so they stuck around. Um, and one of my favorite things is what happened after that. Everybody knew that they stayed because everybody left and were like, hey, uh, Lieutenant Onada and like seven other people don't believe that the war is actually over. Um, what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, all right, here's the idea. So they flew over the island and dropped a bunch of leaflets on the island. And the leaflets said, the, the war over. ended on August 15th. Come down from the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> where, are these, where are these leaflets? Do we have any, like, in existence? That's a good question. I don't That's, know, but okay. we should. Because I want to blow one up. I want to have one in my room. <laughs> I want to have one that says the war ended. Please come down for the mountains. <laughs> Please come down for the mountains. I love that. That's all it said. So they got that, and they didn't believe it. They were they were like, "This is this, this is, is more, more propaganda. This is more allied propaganda. They're dropping things from the sky now." <laughs> uh, if you want to protect yourself, you can get it, uh, a a leaflet proof umbrella. And uh, yeah, and so so this propaganda like yeah. belief grew and grew because while they were in the mountains this exhausts me they started crap. shooting at villagers cuz they thought they were soldiers and the soldiers shot back cuz they're like somebody's shooting at me so they shot back at them and so they were like if 
the war was really over, we wouldn't be getting fired upon. Um, <laughs> and so they, they didn't believe anything that was dropped on the, all these notes that were dropped on the island. Uh, and they were like, they're like, this can't. Um, this isn't a thing. Yeah. Be true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and so then a little while after that, General Te- Temoyuki Yamashita of the 14th Area Army dropped another leaflet. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, like, he's like this that didn't, didn't work. work the first time let's try it again and so he dropped another one said the same thing and he signed it <laughs> oh he signed all of them probably <laughs> yeah and then and then um <laughs> they spent a year examining that leaflet uh, to decide whether or not they thought it was true and that brigade decided it wasn't they were like this is fake oh, this is more propaganda. my gosh <laughs> here's the thing like is this is this what they did before those planes that had the banners flying behind them? <laughs> <laughs> just dropped a bunch of pieces of paper. Yeah, that's can you how imagine it. them just flying that around the around the island? Like a local war's tire over. shop. Come down, <laughs> come down. War's over. Come down. War's over. Please come down to the mountain. Sponsored by Goodyear Tire. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long banner. <laughs> really long banner, and then it said uh, signed. <laughs> Buy three tires, get one free. <laughs> yeah, signed. <laughs> General Tomoyoki Yamashita of the, of the 14th Area Army. <laughs> They're like, that's a long banner. We spared no expense. We have eight guys on a mountain right now who think they're still fighting a war. It's been 15 years. <laughs> the guys saw it and they examined it for a year as it flew around the island and they're like, I think this is fake. I really want. I just can't wait to get to when they finally decided. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on February twentieth. Oh wait, hold on. Wrong date. On September nineteen forty nine. Uh, one there. There was four of them left. A bunch of them had either just been like, ah, I can't stay here. Or like, and they, this dude's they, crazy. We got to go. Yeah, pretty much. And so four of them were still camping out, and then uh, on September nineteen forty nine, one of them surrendered to the Filipino forces. Um, because he was like, he's like living in these mountains sucks yeah. and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to surrender. And so he went in and surrendered. Um, and so the other three, um, were very upset and they were like, this is a serious security risk. Um, and so then they kind of migrated locations and set up a new camp. Still um, in the mountains. Still in the mountains. So in 1952, the government dropped letters and family pictures from an aircraft, like a family saying, Hey, war's over come down from the mountains and um being like hey surrender like the war's over this I mean, isn't like, a how, trick how much resources do they have as far as like weaponry goes because if they're if they're to the point where the government's like we gotta drop some stuff in because we cannot communicate with them mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know what they had like communication wise but so i mean but clearly I mean, like, they no couldn't one, have any I, radios or i was just saying well no one's that. able to get close enough to them to be like hey yeah quit well when uh Arnada was eventually recovered uh he turned over <laughs> this is everything he had when he was recovered in 1974 okay he had his sword a functioning type 99 rifle 500 rounds of ammunition and several hand grenades grenades as well as a dagger and so they still had a lot he was still ready of to weapons yeah they were ready for war still okay so they dropped family pictures yes yeah, so they dropped these family pictures um, they still believe that was propaganda. They thought the enemy got a hold of those family photos and pretended to be them. Um, and then pretended to be their family. Yeah, they're like they're, like, they're just trying to get us uh, to surrender. And then in June 1953, 
Uh, one of the men was shot in a leg during a shootout with a local fisherman. Uh-huh. <laughs> Allied fisherman. <laughs> After which, uh, surprisingly enough, Onada, the, the main guy, nursed him back to health. And so rescued this guy who got shot. Um, he was shot in the leg, saved his life. Um, and then, um, what, a year after that, in 54, that same guy was killed by a man in a search party that was looking for the men. Um, because because the, the men started firing upon them. They thought they were enemies. And so the other guys fought back, and they killed one of the guys. And then the other so guys. So now there's two. Yeah, now there's two. The two of them escaped um, that fight, and then they went back up to the mountains. Like We're still at war. There's two of us left. So now it is... <laughs> Now it's 1954. There's two of them left. Um, and then in 1972. I'm just wondering how how f- spread out these little spats are, these little fights. Uh, they had to be so far apart. And these guys are just like sitting there for three years at a time being like, oh, still at war. Still <laughs> at like, war. Man, war's crazy, isn't it, man? <laughs> and it's like, you haven't seen another person for three years. Yeah. Yeah. That is accurate. I don't know. I don't know why. Like, the logic behind it blows my mind. It really does. Because the majority of where they were at war, they were just hanging out in the mountains, reading propaganda. (laughs) (laughs) Foxhole news, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's dumb. Uh, That's good though. But yeah, and so in 1972, uh, like. Seriously, what is that? Eighteen years after the last guy died, the <sighs> the Gosh. other guy was shot and killed by police and a fire and a firefight that they got with the cops. Onada again escaped to the mountains and still believed they were in war. Um, and that guy lived another two years by himself. Yeah, lived two years by himself in the mountains, and long prior to that, the. Japanese government concluded he was dead. They're like, it's been too long. We haven't had contact. He's dead. We don't like. They're just like he's dead. Yeah, they, they're, he, they're gone. They had a grave like built for him, like commissioned for him, and he has like a gravestone in Japan, and he, the man's alive in the fil- in the mountains in the Philippines somewhere. <laughs> um, they, but they were like, there's no way he's still alive. We don't believe it. Um, and <laughs> propaganda. This is, this is where the if story... that guy's still alive, it's the Allied propaganda lying to us. <laughs> um, and so uh. He they started doing prior to the other guy dying, they started yeah. doing guerrilla warfare activities. They were like, We need to go on the offensive. Oh god. So they started burning crops and stuff. What? Because they were like, We gotta take out what they got. And so they were running around burning crops and that's why they got in the firefight with the police. They're just little hoodlums then. They're just <laughs> like running around. Basically. Um being little punks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. Um and they're like, we're still at war. Yep. People are like, it's been 20 years. What? <laughs> what? Like, there's a different war going on now. <laughs> there's been three different wars. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if you're where you've been. <laughs> you're still fighting which war? <laughs> wow. But here's where this story goes from pretty interesting to super great. Um, because in uh, 1972, a another holdout, Japanese holdout that wasn't related to these guys, he was holding out in a different place, was shot and killed. And the Japanese media was like, oh my gosh, like there's a World War II soldier still like fighting in the Philippines. He was just shot and killed and we just got reports of it. 
And they're like, we thought he's been dead for years. And so the media lost their minds about this in Japan. They're like, what the heck? Yeah. And so then um, they start going through all these guys that, that like, they're like, oh, these guys were holding out, but we're pretty sure they're dead. Um, and people started being like, well, what if they're not dead? And this caught the interest of a guy by the name of Norio Suzuki, who is one of my favorite men to ever live. Yeah, because, like, not only did he find this guy, but he also, like, has some cool power sports. <laughs> no. He's very good at making some cars and some that was his dad. motorcycles and four-wheelers. That was his dad. His dad very much didn't approve of the life he lived. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I don't think they're related. His dad was like, hey, <laughs> we're making power sports. Yeah. So, Norio Suzuki was born in 1949. Um, he was a Japanese explorer and adventurer. <laughs> That's his title, according to Wikipedia. What? <laughs> Which, as we know... They are very important people. Yeah, as we know from our Australia podcast, <laughs> that about 200 years before Norio Suzuki was born, explorers were your rock stars <laughs> of the culture. Um, and he he saw that, and he jumped on that. Too bad... Nurio Suzuki, by the time he became an explorer, rock stars were rock stars. <laughs> now, just imagine a time traveler coming and seeing, like, going to like the, the that time and uh, or just going to like the 80s and yeah. seeing a band poster and being like, they treat these people like. We treat explorers. <laughs> <laughs> Are these your explorers? <laughs> Are these your explorers? <laughs> but yeah, so he, but the the story about him is kind of interesting. He went to uh, Hosai University, which is a major university in uh, Japan, but, but he dropped out because he wanted to be an explorer instead. <laughs> he's like, he's like, this is. Why are you laughing at that? This doesn't make sense. Why are you I'm laughing at people go... dropping out of college to pursue what their actual calling is, you know? <laughs> Why is that funny to you? It's There's funny because I bet when he actually started to accomplish things that he was exploring, the Alumni Association at the school <laughs> tweeted about him. <laughs> uh, the college that I went to. I went to college for three semesters and uh, did not come close to graduating did not come close to finishing uh, any kind of freshman credits <laughs> um and uh this they they shared the chick-fil-a video we did mm-hmm. and said uh check out alumni jaren myers <laughs> like, that's not that's not and then tim true. went and commented and said alumni is an interesting choice of words <laughs> it was an interesting choice But yeah, that's why that's why it was interesting. Um, but yeah, so he goes and he explores the world. Um, he tours Asia, the Middle East, and Africa. And finally, in 1972, he returns to Japan and found himself surrounded by a world that he described as fake. Um, and what? He, he, yeah, and so there, Japan was in the middle of their like el- electronics mechanical revolution yeah. boom. Um, and he was like, "This is all of this is fake. It's not real." Yeah. And he's like, I don't care for any of this. So he wanted to be an explorer. Um, well, this yeah. news cast starts coming about about that. Um, and they about start the mentioning that other holdouts might still be out there. And so. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so. So he goes. He's like, he's like, I'm going to go find 
um, these Hiro, Hiro Onoda was the one that he he, got he wanted to find him. Yeah, he wanted to find Hiro Onoda. And in an interview, this is word for word what he said. He said, I want to search for Lieutenant Onoda, a panda, and the abominable snowman what? in that order. <laughs> That's a word for. That's literally what he said, and that is literally what he did. That is literally no he joke. Found, okay, he goes, and within four months he finds Hiro Onoda in the Philippines, and what? um, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting meeting because he finds Onoda, um, in the mountains. He finds Onoda in the mountains, and Onoda was gonna shoot him and kill him, but Onoda was, but uh, Suzuki yelled out and was like was like Onoda, like most honorable soldier or whatever like that, like gave him a lot of honor and then was like, the I'm set from the Japanese high government, like the war is over. I was sent to rescue you. Like you can come home now. Um, and the man was like, no way. And so then. <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly not ally propaganda. <laughs> so Onoda. And this then, guy drove a car with his name on it here. Yep. Yep. You tell me. <laughs> years later. <laughs> years later. <laughs> Did that just hit you? <laughs> what are you even laughing at right now? Suzuki. Years later. <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> Over here with a car. This is not <laughs> <it>. <laughs> he must be trustworthy. <laughs> they named a car after him. <laughs> he's he's much more honorable than I am. <laughs> he is high honor. <laughs> in, in ancient samurai culture, a testament. <laughs> A testament to how honorable of a soldier you were was if they named a car after you. Dude, the Tesla family is <laughs> insane. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Don't even get me started on Chevrolet, man. They are. Oh, man. But uh, Ono Onoda still had a difficult time trusting Suzuki. Mm. And he was like, he's like, I need. So he's like, hey prove that you're real he didn't trust him right away okay um he was like he's like he's like you know i kind of believe you but he's like i'm i'm not gonna come down from this mountain until my commanding officer commands me to okay um and so uh but onoda and suzuki became friends they hung out for a, little, a few days and talked to each other for a while and it's interesting in a 2010 interview onoda described suzuki and he said this hippie boy suzuki came to the island to listen to my feelings <laughs> And he asked me why I would not come down. <laughs> That's how he refers to him. He's a hippie boy. <laughs> um, so Suzuki took a bunch of pictures of him with Onoda or Onada um, to prove that they were uh, they met each other. He went to the government. The government was like, "Well, he's alive. And he's so, alive." <laughs> and so wow, we were wrong. They tracked down Major Yoshimi Taniguchi, who was. Onada's commanding officer, the the guy was now a bookseller, um, <laughs> and we're like, hey, would you mind going over to the Philippines and ordering this guy out of the mountains? And he was like, mm, sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything better to do. And so yeah. he was like, hey, James, could you run the shop for the weekend? 
And James, then, uh, listen, can you hold down Barnes and Noble for a while <laughs> while I go? <laughs> yeah, that's how Barnes and Noble was born. <laughs> James took over and turned it into an empire. <laughs> When asked why James went with the name Barnes and Noble, <laughs> it was because uh, Yoshimi sometimes went by the nickname Barnes because Yoshimi was difficult for some people to pronounce. <laughs> Even and in his own country. <laughs> yep. Some people are like, Yoshimi, that's a weird name. That's a weird name. He's like, and, well, it's also your last name, so. Uh, and he thought Hero was very noble of him to stay fighting that war, so he right. named it Barnes and Noble. He's like, it's a sentimental kind of bookstore around there. Yeah, because he stole the business from the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should give him some kind of honorable way. Because when he comes back, I'm going to kill him. Uh, when he comes back, I'm going to murder him and steal his bookstore. Because he has not done a good job of running it. You know, he runs things like he's still in the army. He's still a drill sergeant around here. You know, yep. we just need some peace and compassion and quiet in this bookstore. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. Yeah, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Uh, <laughs> so... So this guy just leaves his bookstore and goes to Philippines. Yep. And, and so then... He just I yells eat. up the mountain. <laughs> no. By the way, Yodelay, 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 come down. Oh, nada, come down. It was a very Moses-type meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Yoshimi caught a bush on fire and stood oh, in oh, it. Oh, oh, no, 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 Because Moses had a speech impediment. Oh, 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 oh. What? Moses had a speech impediment. How do you have a Bible degree and not know that? <laughs> he wasn't an eloquent speaker. That's all we know. There's I nothing that know. said he had a speech impediment. He went I, to classes when he was a kid, okay? He worked it out. Do you think that they would mention he's not an eloquent speaker if it didn't mean that was the nice Bible way of saying this guy has a stutter? <laughs> they didn't want to be like. I think that's a jump. Uh, maybe it's not a stutter. Maybe it's like, I mean. Do you think Moses out there, hey, let my people move away? <laughs> Do you think that's what he sounded like? Let people go. No. no. He just sounded like. I just think he was the type of guy where, like, you were, you're were you in you're in line at, like, um, oh McDonald's. Yep. But, like, you've already ordered. So there's, like, the kind of two lines going on. And he comes over and he's like, hey, dude, you in line, man? Hey, hey, you in line? That sounds a whole lot like a stutter to me. No, he's just he's just like not like he can't really find the words to say. Hey, are you in line? And he so goes, instead hey, he dude, says, dude, "Hey, dude, hey, dude, hey, hey, dude, dude, hey, man, hey, are you in?" Do you think that's abnormal enough for biblical writers to be like, "Yeah, he's not an eloquent speaker." Yeah, it was really weird because they didn't even know what a McDonald's was. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to hold me account this whole se- really in the original language. It says Moses, comma, who was like that guy at McDonald's who can't really find the words for "Hey, are you in line?" So he sounds like "Hey, dude, dude hey, 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 man, are you are you are you are you in line? Are you in line? Are you in line? Are you in line right now?" Because he can't really like figure out how to say it. Uh, comma was called by the Lord, but like when we translate it to English, it just shortens to Moses, who had a speech. We who had a what? Who was not an eloquent speaker. Who was not an eloquent speaker. Because we, for the longest time, didn't have the words for all that in in the English language until we started McDonald's again. And we were like, oh. Until McDonald's returned. Again. It made its comeback. Yeah. Yeah, it spent some time in the mountains (laughs) fighting a war. Until until his commanding officer came down. (laughs) Until Colonel Sanders came (laughs) and said, 
McDonald's. Come down, because Colonel Sanders is not an eloquent speaker. The whole, there's a whole warp. Know, yeah. This is a tunnel that we're going to cut out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's yelled at the mountain? No, he went up the mountain and he met him and he gave him like like legitimate, yeah. like official orders. He just stayed with Being him. like, hey, like war's over. But said that in like however a Japanese military soldier would say that. Yeah. Um, and the guy was like, okay. And then he came down. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're right. The war's over. So he comes home, finds out the war's been over since they said it was, and he's like, dang, really wasted my life there. Did they do anything <laughs> about it? Yeah, he got a pension for it. They paid say. him for the time that he was out. What? Yeah. So they, Why? Because he was fighting the war, but they didn't. He didn't know that it was over. So they were like, well, I mean, you would have been contributing. Because now he's 52 years old. Yeah, and he hasn't been making any money. He's just been fighting a war that wasn't going on. And this guy's still alive. No, he recently died. Oh. He died in 2014. Oh, that's the guy. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. Bad. And so, um, but yeah, he got a pension for it, and they paid him, like, what his wages would have been had he been working um, since the war. Um, he almost went to prison in the Philippines because he killed a bunch of people. I was going to say, like, how are they, they're just mm-hmm. fine with that? Well, they're like, oh, he thought he was in war. All's yeah, fair in love and war. That's exactly what happened, actually. The president came in. They had a big hearing about it, and the president was like, well... Guy thought he was at war, um, so he, they pardoned him for all the what? random people that he murdered while he thought he was in war, which is really kind of interesting. That's kind of that's the part that I'm like, what? That doesn't make any mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, and so um, for the rest of his life, um, he wrote a book uh, called "No Surrender: My Thirty Year War," <laughs> um, which was a very creative name. Um, and well, I mean, he did 29, so he's exaggerating. A little bit. <laughs> Yeah, but he was offered a large sum of money, and he was in a lot of media appearances. A lot, of, like, but he did not like um, all the attention. He didn't not like all the money he was being given. He donated the majority of the money. Um, he felt like he was doing what any good samurai should have done, um, and so he was. He didn't like being called a hero, you know. You know his name. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I just want to go by TJ. You know? <laughs> People close to me call me TJ. And so it was such a big deal for him that he was getting so much attention that just a year after he, not even a year, like seven months after he was found, uh, he moved to Brazil um, and he started uh, farming cattle. Uh, He got married there in 1976 and he stayed there until 1980 uh, when he heard the news that a Japanese teenager murdered his parents. And for some reason, though he didn't know any of the people involved, it really hit home for him. So he goes home and he starts a like boys and girls like school. And so it was called the Onoda Nature School. What? Um, and so it was an educational camp for young people to come to, like kind of like the Boys and Girls Club, but in Japan. And so he did that, stayed there, um, stayed there for the rest of his life, running that school. In two thousand or in ninety six, he returned to that island. Um, and donated ten thousand dollars to a local school on the island, um, ten thousand U.S. dollars, um, and his wife uh, became the head of the Conservative Japan Women's Association in two thousand six, um, and then uh, he would go back to Brazil and spend a couple months there every year for the rest of his life, and then kind of just lived a very ordinary life for the rest of his life, and then died of heart failure in twenty fourteen. That is. Uh, Hiro Onoda. 
Wow. But the more important side of the story is the fact that Norio Suzuki, after finding, <laughs> after finding Onoda, went and he did find a panda. Short, <laughs> shortly, shortly after the most normal part of this story. <laughs> shortly after, um, after Onoda was returned home, he found a panda. Um, Had no one found a panda before that? No, people did. He just wanted to find his own. So he found a wild. I was gonna say what? Found a wild panda shortly after that, and then in '75 claimed to have spotted. He claimed he spotted a yeti from a distance. No, no, he couldn't deal with failure. He couldn't deal with the fact that he couldn't find one. Well, here's what happened. Um, and that was while he was hiking in the Himalayas. In '76 he got married, but he did not give up. Like he was still looking for the yeti because I mean he he committed to it. Because he's and so he's 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 an explorer. Um, he's a rock star. I think Nickelback wrote a song about it. It's called Explorer. <laughs> I want to be explorers. <laughs> Sounds about right. We all want to be a big explorer. Not the Ford SUV, but like the <laughs> kind that goes around the world. Not even the same tune. Yeah, it was. Dri- well, live it, living in big old houses and driving. All right, Moses. Big li- wait. Li- living, li- living, <laughs> living, living in shut not, up. Not an eloquent in... speaker. Gosh. <laughs> Are you looking at the lyrics to Nickelback song right now? No. Yeah. So the other guys, there, there was, there was two other I wanted to hit real quick. They're quicker ones. Um, there was uh, Siyoshi Yokoi, and Yokoi was an interesting one because after the war ended, he had a small army as well with him. Um, they were in Guam in the jungles um and they had in the jungles yeah there's a couple of jungles okay <laughs> they were hiding in the jungles <laughs> they're hiding in the jungles um no but that they they camped out um and they built they built this uh cave and so they dug it was about nine feet deep what and then they had dug it through or yeah about nine feet deep and about 12 feet long um, they dug underground and they built vents so they could have fires in the cave, and so they built like a ventilation shaft and like lived in this cave. What? And then outside, it was about two acres. They st- they built farms and stuff in the middle of this jungle, um, and they lived in the caves in this jungle um, because they weren't willing to surrender. Uh, they didn't really get in any um, conflicts, but um, a couple of them died. Uh, and let me see what year was it a couple of them died sometime in the 60s in 64 uh the two other men that were with him died in a flood when their cave flooded um two of them died and then um for some reason (laughs) yokoi just left their bodies in the cave and so when they found yokoi he just had these dead guys hanging out in the cave and they're like he was like yeah they died in the the flood like 10 years ago. What? <laughs> what year did they find him? 74? Uh, yeah, they found him in 74. He was actually arrested in 74 um, by the local government in Guam. Um, and so then when he got um, what you, what, what's that? deported back to Japan, yeah. um, he was very embarrassed when he returned. Um, and he did not like the attention that he got. Because um, he was also, that's 29 years as well. Yep. Yeah. So he was. He was. He was actually the last one to get found. He got found a couple months after Onoda was found, um, and he's the last one that we found after that. 
but he had this really big cave and the cave um is now like a tourist attraction in guam the bodies are still in there no they they (laughs) built a new cave (laughs) they built a new cave because this one i guess washed out but you can Uh, go and they're like this is his cave it's not it's not his cave cave. it's like when you see dinosaur bones like (laughs) these are dinosaur bones they walked the earth and they didn't they're not dinosaur bones what (laughs) (laughs) wait what yeah they were put there by aliens (laughs) <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, so if if you ever are in um Guam <laughs> is listed as one of the top places in Guam. It was a national uh it was on their national historic places list until it got flooded out and was destroyed and then they built a fake version of it to come tour. Um but it's in Talofo Falls Resort Park. Um, it's about a fourth mile walk to the cave, um, but there's also a monorail. Is it just take. open? No, like it's it's like a museum, so you like pay to get in, uh, and then you walk a fourth of a mile, or you can take the monorail. I think that that's I think that's how Yokoi found the spot. He took the monorail and was like, "This is a good, Stop. This is a good place to put." Oh cave. my gosh! It's <laughs> also how he's discovered there's a book of tourists out there, and they're like, "Wait, what's that?" What's that guy doing? What's that guy doing over there? And they're like, are those bodies floating in this cave? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, that's 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 the that's all I have to say about that guy. Um, the other one I want to talk about was Nakamura. The interesting thing about him was, um, he was actually a volunteer soldier from Taiwan for the Japanese army. Um, he was in like a tribal. He was an Aboriginal in taiwan yeah um and they had a significant amount of people in taiwan who volunteered to fight for the japanese army in world war ii for some reason um and he joined up and after the war ended once again just didn't believe it and stuck out um until 74 also same time frame as the other two guys and uh just a little bit just a little earlier and they there was a plane flying over that saw his hut he had a hut with some farms around it in the middle of the jungle. And they're like, what's that? So they went down, they found the guy and they were like, wow, you think we're still at war. And so they took him back home to Japan. Here's the interesting thing. Um, Onoda and Yokoi were both offered pensions and the salary that they would have made in that time that they were soldiers. But this guy was volunteer Nakamura, um, because he was Aboriginal, they wouldn't give him anything. And the public actually like criticized him a lot, um, because and acted like it was his fault that he was there for so long and didn't give him any grace or anything like that, what? and didn't receive the didn't attention receive the and the love yeah. that the other two guys got, um, which is really interesting to me uh, that the other two guys like they got all this money and stuff like that, um, but this guy did not he get they after fighting it he ended up getting what was equivalent to 220 us dollars wow for 29 years wow isn't that crazy that blows my mind what sucks about that is that these guys literally threw their lives away i know i know and like, really that's not like if right anything. now you and i went to war and then stopped and we were 52 yeah exactly and believed that what we were doing was like a noble cause the whole time. And then someone came and was like, 
Hey. Kind of dumb. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey. Here's the oh, thing. We don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> Your name is Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> I see the relevance of that story in this podcast now. Like, you spent so much time believing, <laughs> believing that what you were doing was noble and true. And then Gosh. one day, your parents were like, hey, you're kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I hate that. All right. Whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool, man. All right. Well, uh, gosh. Wow. That's Isn't that a lot to take in? That's just it's that, pretty incredible. It's just the whole throwing the life away thing that just really bothers me. It does. Especially these guys, like, the, all of them had groups that they were with. Yeah. All three of them ended up being the last one and lived a significant amount of time literally alone somewhere. Like, like Yokoi, he had, like, ten years in a cave in the jungle with two by dead himself. Like, two dead bodies there. And that ended with him getting arrested. <laughs> Yeah, foreign government. Well, and you know, like, oh man, just the that's what I'm thinking too. Like, every day, every mm-hmm. day for 10 years that's 3,000 yeah. days this guy woke up next to two dead bodies, yeah, that and th- had clearly decomposed by then, yeah. And imagine what that was like whenever they were reassimilated because for so long, like, they were disconnected from everything, so the world kept going on. So their families forgot about, like, didn't forget about them, moved but on. moved on. And the world had established, changed a lot. So what they knew as home, they'd come in and they'd, it was foreign. Like, so it'd be like if all of a sudden, like, overnight, like, Kansas City just completely changed. And you'd be like, I don't recognize this at all. Yeah. And then you come home and you're like, what is all this technology and stuff? Like, you don't understand it. Uh, and the world's just is totally different place like it's not a gradual change like we all experience oh for sure and so like i just can't imagine like the trauma of that and especially i'm sure it happened for all these guys but onoda like he came home and there's a graveyard like with a gravestone with his name on it he yeah. actually eventually was buried in that grave oh my god <laughs> but like that had to be a weird like <laughs> surreal experience <laughs> Oh, that was gross. Just blow snot all over the oh, studio. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Oh, man. Man, yeah, you you got a bunch of booger hanging off. Oh, you'll take care of that. I think this is a good time to fiddle off.